the Farm Advisory Service podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government. Hello, I'm Kerry Allison, a Senior Marketing Consultant with SAC Consulting. Welcome to our first of three podcasts on positive PR. This podcast is brought to you by Scotland's Farm Advisory Service as part of the Scottish Rural Development Programme, co-funded by the EU and Scottish Government. Today, I'm joined by Martha Bryce. Martha Bryce grew up on a livestock farm and lives there still today. She started her career working with small, family-run food producers before moving on to work at Visit Scotland, where she worked with the media to promote Scotland as a tourism destination. Martha now runs Soundbite PR, where she works with a huge variety of food and drink producers, estates, farm shops, festivals, heritage and tourism organisations. With a dual passion for food and tourism, she's worked to promote businesses of all sizes with a range of practical tips and a particular knowledge of the UK's lifestyle media. Martha also coordinates the regional food group, Food from Fife. So, Martha, I would uh, like to start our podcast with positive PR by asking you the very basic question. In your opinion, what is PR? Hi, Kerry. Thanks for having me. Um, so, yes, it, it is a basic question, but it's one I'm asked quite a lot. And when I'm working with businesses, it's something that we have to delve into quite a lot because so much of working in PR is actually explaining what PR is and, and how it can help and and when and, and its limitations, I suppose, as well. So um, this may be um, a bit dry, but I am going to read you a definition from the Chartered Institute of Public Relations that we can talk through. So what is PR? PR is about reputation. So it's the result of what you do and say and what others say about you. It's the discipline that looks after reputation with the aim of earning understanding and support, influencing behaviour and opinion. It's the planned and sustained effort to establish and maintain goodwill and mutual understanding between organisations and its publics. So, yeah, it's a bit of a mouthful, but I think in that within that definition, there are various things you can pick out. So one of the things which I think um, is important, but but people don't always think about with PR is that it's a two way process that, that aims to influence. It's a conversation. And, you know, we've never seen that more than than in the world of, of social media now. But I think it's important that people aren't just throwing their messages out there. They're they're. Um, getting the messages back from their publics, um, which is plural in this case. Um, so it's asking you really to sort of look at who your your audience is, um, you know, whether it, it's your local um, local community, for example, a wider farming community. Um, are you trying to sell a product um, across the UK? Um, who are you selling it to? Um, so this is a conversation that's going on um, between you and all your different stakeholders. So if the conversation is going on to do PR is to get involved in that conversation and to help shape it. You know, you might not be 
when it's saying um, it's looking to influence behavior and opinion, it might not be that you're, you know, you're looking to sell a product, but are you looking to to change the way people think about um, about your industry, about about farming, the way you do things, about your farm, um, people on it, um, the, the way you're working with livestock or crops and things like that. Um, so getting involved in this is in this conversation um, is really is really something um, that everybody can do. Um, and, and, and in that way, they can help um, control it and, and, and influence it. It's really interesting to consider PR from the uh, the audience point of view rather than the message. Mm. Um, I think that's a really interesting point to raise. Would you say that there are um, different messages for different audiences, or can you could uh, could you take a one size fits all attitude? I think um, going to take it, it back a step. I think when you talk about PR, PR really should be part of your overall business strategy. Um, so think when you think about PR and what you're going to say, whether that's on social media or um, whether you're going to comment to a news journalist, um, take a step back and think, this is my business talking. Is it relevant to my business? Is it going? To, is this action going to um, take my direction in take my business in the direction that I want it to? Um, so, for example, if you have thought very hard about your business, about who you are, um, where you are as a business just now, um, your unique selling points, um, where you want to go. Um, as a business, how you want to grow um, or, or develop, um, and how you're going to get there. How does PR fit in with all of that? And how does how do all your communications channels fit in with all of that? So think about you know the way you might communicate with with the media, with influencers. Um, if you're even if you're public speaking, if you're doing an open farm event, um, these are all different forms of communication. So is social media. So are your e-newsletters. Um, all of these different communication channels um, are forming part of your PR and should really be part of your overall business strategy or marketing strategy um, if you have such a thing. Um, um, so, so I should consider that before you consider um, your which opportunities you want to get involved in with PR and how you're going to speak to them. You are, as the business owner um, or somebody working um, in depth in that business, um, whether it's a farming business or any other kind of business, you know it better than anybody else. So you should be able to draw out the unique stories from your business um, and tell it um, in, an, in an interesting way, I'd hope. Um, and that really, in essence, is what PR is. It's it's telling the stories behind your business. Um, and there are lots of different kinds of stories out there. The more you get to understand different media outlets um, and opportunities, so from the way you tell your story on Twitter or Instagram, compared to the way you might speak to um, Farmers Weekly magazine or Country File, or um, your local newspaper, for example, you're going to speak to them in a different way because they've all got different levels of understanding um, and they've all got different levels of, of interest, different things that they're interested in. Um, so you need to be pulling out the stories from your business um, and telling them um, through the media in a way that's appropriate to the audience, which I feel has made it sound very complicated and it isn't really, it's just telling stories. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and 
a question I have specifically around the 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 why should somebody bother? Um, we you touched a little bit if someone was you know selling a a product they would have a, a USP and they would be speaking to a consumer audience. Do you think, with your knowledge and background, um, living on a farm, being brought up on a farm, seeing a lot of people in the industry, do you think it is important for the farming community to get a better understanding of what PR is and how it can benefit them? Yes. And, and going back to the definition um, of the sort of planned and sustained effort to establish and main, maintain goodwill and mutual understanding you know, thinking about it like that, um, I think, in, you know, in general, the public, and I'm sure lots of people have, lots of people will agree with me here, the public in general has a fairly poor understanding um, of, of what farming is and, and how it, it works. Um, and I think people are, are, are generally quite interested when you see, I think, the increase in number of TV shows, for example, dedicated to rural affairs in, in one shape or other. Um, and arguably even in a political way um, for the general public and the electorate to understand more about the the needs and challenges of farming um, may help influence that overall conversation and therefore influence um, the way farming is supported, for example. But um, I have another example, um, which is, is quite a personal example, um, about... Um, Gosh, it must have been about 10 or 15 years ago. Our farms, our farm is a very small um, deer farm. And our farm was attacked by um, the Animal Liberation Front. So they came and they, they cut all our fences and they graffitied everywhere. Um, and um, it was it was really dreadfully unpleasant and very stressful and very upsetting. Um, and the whole point of this was... Um, that they really wanted it to be uh, to be like that. They didn't want to have a dialogue with us. You know, they were so opposed to anything to do with meat production in our case um, that they didn't really want to hold a dialogue. So we were asked by the police, and I think it's the police's instinct probably to say actually, you know, probably best not to not to go public on this. And we completely disagreed with them on this. The police were really wonderful, incredibly supportive. Can't praise them enough. They took it very very seriously. Um, but we went straight to the media because the media has always been very um, helpful for our business. And we said, this has happened to us um, and it's a dreadful thing to happen to anybody, but it's dreadful in our case because we are the antithesis of a factory farm. Um, we are um, all about um, getting involved in, um, in organizations that um, help make farming more compassionate um, and to be able to sort of to put our side of the story across in that and the outpouring of support for us was really wonderful so it, it helped us you know um gives us sort of moral support and things like that but it it really did help shape the conversation whereas if we were not to have commented at all there we, we wouldn't have helped shape the conversation there um and likewise for example i was working with um um just a few years ago working with an um a group of um, of high street butchers that are all um, particularly singled out for their really good quality, um, and so as a as a group of butchers, you're not your role isn't really to be promoting one particular 
butchery, not selling one particular product. So you're quite often called upon to comment by the media. And um, as I'm sure lots of your listeners will be aware, um, the meat sector has taken a bit of a hammering over the last few years. Um, so we've all seen the stories about meat causes cancer. Meat is really dreadful for um, for climate change, etc., 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 and um, all this against, you know, a reasonably sort of challenging retail environment as well. And I would ring up my um, the chair of this group and I would say, I've got an opportunity to comment in the Daily Telegraph, for example, on a store on a what is ostensibly a negative story about meat. And I would say, oh, Martha, I don't want to comment on these negative stories. Why can't we comment on something more positive? And I'd have to explain what actually there's never been a more important time for you to comment because this is your opportunity to shape it and say, actually, if you shop at a small independent butcher, you're supporting um, heritage skills and a nose to tail eating approach, which is, um, you know, strongly helpful of um, reducing food waste. Um, you're much more likely to have a short supply chain. Um, so think about shopping there instead of um, shopping in one of the supermarkets, for example, if you're concerned about zero emissions and putting that side of the story forward. Um, so even in a negative situation, if you are prepared uh, for an interview or prepared for a comment about what you want to say, getting involved is a really good opportunity. And um, if you're particularly singled out for um, for a story which is directly related to your business, it's really, really important to comment. Um, so, you know, we can talk about crisis communications later, but never say no comment. I would always consider commenting um, if you possibly can. That's um, really good advice. And you certainly bring up a, a very pertinent topic, probably two of the the, the most spoken about um, issues uh, when it comes to farming is climate change and then also the uh, the vegan diet, flexitarian diet. Um, I'd be interested to understand from your perspective, if we're not saying no comment, what's the best thing to say? How can we make sure that we don't get ourselves into bigger trouble? Are there any definite no-nos in how to handle a situation like that? So there are various rules. Um, the, the number one thing I think is to be prepared um, in terms of a crisis, So, which is obviously very difficult because, you know, we didn't know we were going to be attacked by a, a terrorist organisation. Um, you know, so it's difficult to be prepared in that um, instance. Um, but just to be aware of the timings of the media. So if, for example, um, you have a crisis um, on your farm that could be perceived as being your fault um, or is potentially a sort of negative story about you, it's really important to be as open and transparent as you can and be honest and and respond quickly, um, I would say. Um, so I'll give you an example um, of... of an organisation that's that said no comment. I was working with a um, a farm that um, was unlucky enough to have um, a, a disease on it, um, and that um, virus did affect the farm. And, it, and, and the story we thought is it's possible for a journalist to find that story, but it's unlikely. So we were prepared um, that the story might come out. 
Um, and then eventually it did. And my client was asked for a comment by a newspaper and um, and didn't tell me. <laughs> so um, they decided not to comment at all. And then, of course, the journalist wrote the piece, a very one sided piece. And I said, well, why on earth didn't you comment and put your your side of the story forward? Um, so I prepared a statement, um, luckily managed to get the journalist to include it, um, but it was included really as an afterthought. Um, and if you are able to speak to the media uh, and put your side of the story across, explain um, perhaps some of the logistics or practical issues around what has happened, um, or explain, for example, why it's actually a very common situation um, in farming, you might even be able to persuade the journalist that, um, that it's not actually much of a story at all and they might um they might decide not to run the story at all um but um in terms of um of general crisis communications you have to go back again to think um what do we want to achieve as a business who are our audiences so i did hear um um, some PR colleagues, you remember some years ago that there was a dreadful terrorist attack at Glasgow Airport um, and hearing our mm -hmm. PR colleagues who had worked in the, the press office at, at Glasgow Airport at that time um, having to deal with that and, you know, of course, um, in an airport situation, you've got lots of um, crisis procedures in place. Um, but nevertheless, it's, it's a dreadful shock for everybody. And when you're used to perhaps taking, you know, five, 10 media inquiries a day, and suddenly you've got, you know, upwards of 300 <laughs> inquiries a day, how are you going to prioritize? And so they said, one of the things that we did first was we identified our target audiences, who's our most important target audience. Um, and interestingly, I remember them saying that one of their most important target audiences was their local audience. Um, so that might be something that, that people want to consider. How do you speak to your local communities first, for example, if you've had on the farm um, um, contamination event or um, um, something where you've had a, um, a leakage into a waterway or something like that? You know, your, your local community is probably a pretty important one to consider. Um, there are a few sort of, um, of other things that you should consider. I would take each media inquiry on a case-by-case -case basis, um, examining each one and answering each one personally, but you should probably have a prepared statement explaining a bit about the crisis that you can then, um, you can tweak accordingly. Um, I had one um, business ring up, they had had, um, um, an, they'd had a product recall uh, for a meat product and it was really bad timing from their point of view because it was the quiet season for the media it was in the days before christmas when people are talking about food and drink um but um lots of, of marketing departments have shut up shop for the for christmas so there's not as many people talking there's not much as much news out there um and he said we've had this um we've had this product recall we're suddenly we're on the bbc we're in the sun we're everywhere online um what on earth do we do? Um, so difficult because you could have done something probably earlier on to deal with those ones. But what you have to say is, OK, you probably need a statement to put on your social media page um, and to be able to move the story on so that you're you're back on track with what you're talking about, what you want to be talking about on social media. Um, and also consider the news um the news um, timings for, for example, your local media. So most um, most media, uh, local media, sorry, most local newspapers are weekly. Of course, they will all have their um, their online, you know, their websites, which are, have, are, are much more immediate. But um, 
but weekly newspapers are going to be, you know, well read probably by your local community. And there is an opportunity still there because they've got a longer lead time. So you can go to them later with a prepared statement. Um, and that will appear in the in the papers, you know, the following week. Um, so be prepared for that, you know, be prepared that, you know, you've got the first wave of um, of negative, arguably, stories um, out there. You've dealt with the online ones, you've dealt with the news media, then you've got the weeklies as well. Um, so it is, t- you know, it's 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 boring but um, with PR, but timing is incredibly important for PR. Um, and that's something that a lot of people aren't aware of, um, the planning that goes into the, the timing um, of PR. That's a, a really good tip, Martha. Um, obviously, you're... Uh, speaking to us on PR today, coming from you've got a wealth of experience and you've worked in it, um, you know, for for years. You are our expert. For somebody who m- maybe isn't working with an expert and has maybe been approached for the for the very first time by a, a newspaper or um, a radio show, for example, are there any quick, easy things that you could suggest? to make going into that first time interview a little bit easier? Yes, number one, be prepared. Um, you should never go into an interview unprepared. So even if you need to put, you know, say, can I call you back in five, 10 minutes um, to a journalist, put the phone down, prepare yourself and ring them back, write yourself some notes, think think about that. The other thing I would say is, is don't be don't be alarmed and don't be scared um, by it. Um, in, in general, I mean, I feel I've been talking very sort of negatively about things. There's lots of good stories and things that you can comment on. Um, and um, again, going go back to to who you are as a business. Think about that. So think about the the tone that your business might take. Um, you know, if you are a, um, a four generation farming family, does that affect the way? you are as a, as a brand effectively, um, you know, is heritage an important part of it. So think about your tone, whether it's appropriate for the business. Um, I think journalists would always rather speak to um, to the people on the ground, to the real voices rather than, than people working in PR. Um, so 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 you are in a way the, the authentic voice, which they, they like to hear. So there's no harm in getting that across. Um, in general terms, um, Journalists are um, increasingly pushed. There's increasingly few of them um, as um, different budget cuts and the way the media landscape is changing. Um, so they don't have time in in the main to do lots of research. So if you're putting if you're putting together a statement and you would find it easier to write down, that's something that you could consider doing. Um, and then you can you can take your time to to write down a statement and email it onto them. In, in very often they're very keen <laughs> because then they can just copy and paste that um, it's much quicker for them um, so think about that if you are putting together a statement you might have they might have limited space so keep it succinct and that way they can't edit it as much um, if that's what you if that's what you want to do um, so um, yes I mean there's there's lots of different opportunities um, for for speaking to the media and I know that a lot of people are are quite scared of, of speaking to the media but I would, I if if you are keen to engage in PR at all, um, I would hone down um, who your target audience is and the media that they 
digest, I suppose. So whether they are reading a newspaper or reading it online or whether they are reading a niche um, newsletter or listening to a podcast or um, listening to commercial radio or listening to the BBC or um, what are they watching on TV? Try and think the kind of media that your target audience is is likely um, to be engaging with. Um, are there Facebook groups, for example, that you need to be getting involved in Facebook um, groups or um, conversations on social media uh, going on? Think about what try and narrow down the media that you want to target and that way it doesn't seem such a huge job if you've got a pr agency you can you should be able to target um people different groups and different media much more widely because um, a, a pr agency will have those contacts you probably don't have the time to go and build relationships with all the journalists um, that you could possibly need so I would I would try and be quite targeted in your approach and prioritise the media outlets that you think you'll get a good response from. And then when you have engaged and you have received some um, some publicity um, or some traction on social media, try and analyse whether it, you felt it was effective, because it, it's not always the media outlets that you think are going to be effective um, that actually that actually do result in in sales or changed voices. Um, so, you know, for example, Scottish Farmer has a pretty small um, circulation, but it might be absolutely spot on for who you want to talk to. to, talk to. Um, and I could give you an example of that. Um, after I left school, I um, ran a little business um, importing beautiful little terracotta barbecues um, from Spain, from Portugal. And um, um, my sister and I were lucky enough to be featured on ITV's main breakfast um, sort of um, breakfast talk show, um, Richard and Judy at the time. It's going back a bit. Um, and, and so we were really excited. We thought, my goodness, we, our orders for our little barbecues are going to go crazy. And um, just following on from that, we also had an inquiry from the Sunday Post, which is um, a newspaper with a slightly older demographic. Um, it's read in the north of England and in, in Scotland largely. Um, and, you know, we, we replied to that and things, but we didn't really think it would go anywhere. Well, the phone ran off the hook for the Sunday Post and we didn't get one inquiry from Richard and Judy on ITV. So it does make you think that, oh, you know, wow. you, you do have an instinct about what media works, but your instinct isn't always right. Um, it's, it's quite an unpredictable thing. <laughs> so worth um, taking the time to kind of evaluate um, about whether you had, were successful with your media coverage as well. That's a, a really interesting story and not one I knew about you, Martha. Um, very interesting. So uh, to turn the, the question back around, looking at how people get good news out there, do you have any advice for people who may have engaged with the media, narrowed down the type of people they want to work with, got a great good news story out there? and then suddenly see a backlash or a negative response on social media? Um, yes, there are, there are examples of that. Um, and um, there, there are things you can do about it. Um, as you get to understand the media, um, you, might, you might get to have a bit more of an instinct about, um, about how that story might develop or be perceived. So, for example, 
um, I'm thinking out loud here, but if, for example, I was to put out a story about um, a product that was very, very luxurious at the moment, very expensive, I think I would be a bit careful about doing that um, in this current climate um, and how that might be, you know, what the response on social media to that might be um, in terms of, you know, it being inaccessible. Um, and I think generally being aware of what's being talked about on social media and understanding your social media following really helps with that. So, for example, I think... Um, this week, we've obviously seen a massive emphasis on the Black Lives Matter um, conversation. And, and and Tuesday was um, Blackout Tuesday um, to sort of to, to particularly mark that black, black support for Black Lives Matter. So if you were a business at that time who decided to launch a, a campaign or a project or something, you may well have been shouted down. And if you have a really close relationship with those on your social media following if you are um really engaging well on social media you probably would have known that that was not the right time to do that um so engaging with your social media following is um is important um there are some social media channels twitter in particular that um are i mean it's obviously it's all it's all public um but they have a there's something about the format that does it can become a bit divisive it can become a bit argumentative um so you know perhaps think about how you're using that channel in in general if you have got a story that you are keen um to get out to the media um as i've already said try and think about doing it in a really targeted way and telling the story in um in a way that's suitable to that media outlet. Um, it, it, social media is actually very handy for, um, I hesitate to use the word, but <laughs> stalking contacts that you um, you really want to influence. So journalists that um, you would really like to be talking about you. you. If you follow them on social media, follow the media outlet, follow the, the individual journalists, you'll get a much you'll get a really better understanding of the kind of stories that they will follow, um, the, the kind of stories that interest them and what doesn't interest them, things that they really hate. Okay, you know, um, turns out that journalist is a vegetarian. I'm not going to send them a sample of my pork pies. You know, get to know the journalists a little bit, you know, follow them on social media um, um, where you can um, and then see if you can engage. And you'll probably find that when you do come to engage with them, you'll get um, a better response than just calling them out of the blue when you don't know anything about them. Um, so so really honing down um, a sort of target list of media and building up your media relations in that way, rather than trying to be too broad, um, is helpful. You know, you have, you'll have a certain sort of... Um, certain media will be warmer towards you than others. So, for example, um, it's likely that the farming trade press are keen to hear from to from farmers. So whether that's useful to you or not, one to consider. Your local media as well, again, one to consider, um, likely to want to hear from local people. Um, but, you know, if you've got a story to tell, try and think about who it's of interest to. So is it just a farming story for the, um, for the farming correspondents or has it got sort of wider um, 
is it part of a wider consumer trend, for example? Um, can you go to consumer affairs um, programs, um, things like that? Um, so thinking about how you can do it. But going back to your original question, Kerry, about um, controlling what you have already got out there in the media, it's not very easy. I saw, um, when was it? Probably last week, I saw the chef Tom Kitchen um commenting um, in a hospitality trade publication um, about how his business had been affected by the coronavirus. Um, and, um, you know, he'd probably been asked to do that. It was a perfectly straight interview. But that was picked up by um, possibly the Scotsman, I think it was, or one of the Scottish national papers, um, saying Tom Kitchen um, talks is talking about how badly his business is affected. And that then came across as being a bit negative. So reading the comments from the general public underneath that Scotsman article, they were quite negative about Tom Kitchen. And so I suppose all I'm trying to say is it can happen to anybody. Um, it was rather unfair because those comments that had been made in a trade publication were slightly taken out of context and, and were told in a different way to a consumer um, audience. So it can happen to anybody, you know, um, that's the thing about the public sphere um, is that it, it is public and, and people can um, use your words. Um, I don't think it happens that often, though, um, I would say. If uh, if you were the uh, PR agency for Tom Kitchen in his position right now, what advice would you be giving him? Um, I think I would look very carefully at the story Um and really, if it if it really affects me and my business, um, I would I would think carefully about what was being said on social media because that is something you can respond to, um, and I would look at whether it's worth responding on 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 social media whether the whether you've got the volume of um, of negative comments. Um, it might be that the piece wasn't negative um, in itself, in which case that's fine. Um, if you've got a, you know, a lot of negative conversation going on, then yes, better to address it. Um, but if not, is you commenting, particularly as somebody that is high profile, is that just going to add fire to the fire and make it burn a bit brighter? You don't really want that to happen. Um, so you have to, you have to sort of judge it quite carefully. Um, I have had experiences with clients on social media who have perhaps chosen to put something up on social media, um, perhaps not a very well um, well um, drafted comment um, saying something, and there has been a huge response to it. Um, and it's not, you know, when you've got, you know, 120 negative argumentative comments underneath, you can't respond to all of them. I think it's sometimes best to sit and watch for a while, um, get the general gist, think about um, think about hiding some comments if you can, and blocking some comments, but only when they're um, abusive or offensive. If you start to get into commenting on lots of them, um, it, it I think looks a bit argumentative, and I think I would think very very carefully about responding twice to a complaint. Responding once is okay in a sort of um, um, informed, factual, friendly and fair way. Um, coming back a second time, um, 
is is perhaps looks more like an argument, I think. So try and fight social media fire with with water um, and think about taking it offline. You know, if you've got um, if you are, for example, a, a dairy company um, who sells product, uh, um, you know, by by bulk and you have a glitch with one of your milk bottles, for example. Um, so you have a host of people going, I bought this milk and I can't open the, it. On social media, it's pretty good to have a, a standard response to that, saying, you know, I'm I'm terribly sorry, but could you email production at mydairy.com um, and taking it off social media um, rather than um, than letting it run and run and giving advice to every person in the public. Um, so try and try and take it out of the public sphere where you need to. That's fantastic advice and probably actually good advice for day to day, not just social media to fight fire with water. <laughs> yes. um, while we're on the, the subject of social media, um, quite a, a lot of people look to social media as being the uh, be all and end all for all types of marketing, PR and communication. Um, a lot of people are talking about uh, Instagram, Instagram influencers, and Instagram bloggers. Is that PR in itself? Is it important to consider? And what are the important things you should be considering if looking to pay other people on social media to promote you or your story? I, th I think it is it is part of PR um, in it, in its broadest um, sense. Um, because it, it it can influence your um, your influence the behaviour of your audiences um, and, and and can and can change your reputation. Um, yes, it's it's talked about a, um, a lot. And again, I would go back to thinking, um, what do I want to do with my business? Um, where am I trying to go with my business? Um, who are my audiences? Is this is it the kind of you know if I've got a really great um, an influencer out there who's got, you know, millions of, of Instagram followers, um, but isn't one that seems particularly right for me, I would steer clear, um, quite apart from the fact that it will cost you a fortune. But if you've got um, an influencer who um, who is, is just right for your social uh, for your for your um for your audience i would i would consider engaging and um yes influencers um can can require a fee of course they can uh, because they're trying to earn their living as well um but you know they might also accept a um a stay in your farm cottage if you know in, in um in return for a write-up um or um um, sort of content on their on their Instagram feed, um, or you know, sending them a sample of a, um, a food product, for example, something like that. Um, um, there are different ways of working with them, um, and there are lots of examples of influencers out there who who may have a, a really large following but don't have very much engagement. So I would handle with caution and be a bit skeptical about that. Um, or influencers who are just not quite right for your brand. Um, I worked with an influencer um, quite recently for a, um, a sort of outdoors um, wild food festival that we were that we were working on, um, and we had an um, we worked with an influencer. We gave him um, a, a, a trip um, a trip to um, a 
part of rural Scotland and he went out foraging for wild food and he had a, a few days doing that. Um, so he had a lovely trip. And in response to that, um, we had um, some um, engagement on social media and we had um, some posts on, in, on, on Instagram. And um, I think some of us were a wee bit sceptical about whether that would be effective. Um, and you know what it really was? We literally saw a spike in ticket sales after that. Um, and we saw a spike in ticket sales from from his followers because his followers were genuinely interested in our product in our festival um so we had gone for a niche influencer that was just spot on um so again i would just do your research and think carefully about whether it's a good fit um for your for your brand so uh there really is a bit of uh synergy if we take some of the the tips you gave us in the beginning about really kind of targeting the audience and uh, getting down to the the right message for the right audience. That could also, the same research applied to how it gets out there. Yes, absolutely. Um, And one other thing I'd I'd add, Kerry, is that I think people running a business um, are so close to their business that it's sometimes quite difficult for them to see the interesting stories that if we knew about them, we'd think they were really interesting that, you know, there are stories within farms, farming and businesses that are really genuinely of interest to people. Um, And you can get them out on social media. Um, You know, you can, you can tell them through, through the the media, you know, newspapers and, um, um, TV and all the all the rest of it, um, but in order to help you tell that story, um, yes, you can you can do your research. But I would try and think what assets you have that are going to help you tell that story. So think about the most obvious one is photography. Have you know have you got good quality photography to back up a story? Because it's increasingly difficult to tell a story, whether you're telling it on social media or whether you're telling it um, to you know trade press. If you don't have a story, it, sorry, if you don't have a, a photograph um, to back it up, and it's got to be um, one of you know a decent sized picture, so, so high resolution image, um, it, it's quite difficult to tell it. Um, so think about the assets you have. Yes, photography. What about video? Um, that's increasingly um, important and increasingly demanded by um, by lots of, of websites and things as well. Um, what about? Have you got a good spokesman? Um, within your business are you a good spokesperson um is that something that you could you could build up as a, become known as a a trusted um available spokesperson um it's something the media are really interested in and it can be really um useful um if if that's if that's a skill you have um think about um you know even recipes for example if you're if your farm is linked to food and drink you know is that something that you could you could give away does that help tell your story um so think about the assets behind your story as well and when you come to tell your story when the time's right have them ready um so when you're sending out your story if you're emailing a journalist whether you're emailing them, um, just sending them an email or whether you're sending them a, a press release um, or something more formal, um, have your photos ready in a folder um, and you can link to them on Dropbox, for example. Um, that's that's really important because journalists don't have time to find um, additional um, assets to accompany your story. Um, they don't have time to do lots of research in the main. Um, so, so think about that coupled with the timing of... Um, 
of a media outlet. So I, I know I touched on this before, but I'm going to say it again just to hammer it home. When you know when it was when it was all daily newspapers, you know that's that's quite easy, isn't it? You know they, they're going to be going out um, the next day, so they're probably going to be having a, a morning meeting. All the journalists and editors are having a, a morning meeting, sort of around about ten or eleven o'clock in the morning. Good to get your story in before then, so it can be considered for the morning meeting. Uh, journalists have got a bit of time to work on it, and it goes into print the next day. Fine, but now everything's online as well. So um, online um, news outlets. The earlier, the better, really, you know, in terms of the, the time of day um, to, to to start selling in your story a bit earlier. Um, but magazines, for example, if you wanted your um, your award winning pork pies, I don't know, why I keep talking about pork pies, but I do um, pork pies <laughs> to be mentioned in a big glossy magazine like BBC Good Food magazine or Delicious magazine. You're talking about sort of three to four month lead time you need to be speaking to them about christmas you know coming on sort of august september time so you have to think quite carefully about the lead time um, and that's one of the i would say most common pitfalls for businesses is just telling people too late i was working on um one of our clients we we um set up for a, a fantastic piece on um bbc's country file show um and that took six months of me talking and planning with them through all the logistics they are incredibly well resourced as, as a tv show um but you know i was talking to them six months before they came to film um so be prepared for that um for the timings um there are certain days of the week it's it's less good to sell a news story in friday being an obvious one um you might be better to to leave it until um Sunday night or Monday if it's for a news story the next day on a daily newspaper. So as you get to know your media outlets, it's perfectly fair enough for you to ask that question. You know, when do you need to know all this information? What's your deadline? Um, things like that. Um, so be thinking about the assets, be thinking about the timing and then be weaving in your your key messages and making it relevant to your audience. I do think that that. Um, that farmers and um, people living in a rural environment, and I know I'm, I'm a bit prejudiced here, but um, I do think that, you know, we've we've got a lot of assets um, at our hand. I mean, it's if you're working on a farm, there's so many interesting stories. There's so many really visual stories um, that you've got. You, you should have a lot to say. Um, you should have um, a lot of interesting ways to be able to tell it, um, even on your own social media channels. Um, it, it's it's really interesting to be sort of joining in that conversation and for people to understand that, you know, um, we lamb a bit late on this farm because we're, you know, higher up or, or whatever. You know, it's, it's, it's genuinely useful. Um, and stories really can be so incredibly effective. And, and I would add videos to that as well. Um, you know, it, it seems to me that almost every year, um, Edinburgh Zoo or the Highland Wildlife Safari Park um, will put out a story round about, um, um, say, October um, with um, with animals being fed sort of Halloween pumpkins or, you know, some kind of Christmas cake, Christmas food items being fed to, to animals um, at that time of year because it makes such a lovely photo. Um, and that's something that, you know, that you could con consider, you know, how are you going to make it seasonal? You know, if you're working with livestock, you know, it's, it's you know, you've got lots of, of photo opportunities. You know, picture desks do have certain things that they go for. There are certain things that make a good picture. And, and animals really can be, um, can be, can be one of those. I'm sure um, 
lots of people go to the um, listening to this go to the Highland Show every year. Um, I remember one year they did a particularly nice picture with the the Highland cow at Edinburgh Airport, um, and I thought that was a nice picture because it spoke to their target audience of um, of of the consumers that they wanted to get to the show, um, which is nice. So animals, children, um, nature. Um, bold primary colours, all of these things work. What doesn't work is a row of men in suits, you know, signing an agreement or something, unless you happen to be, you know, the president of the United States or something. It's generally not going to make a picture. So think about how you can you take a picture creatively um, as well. Have a, have a look on the, um, you know, the, the news pages of Daily Mail, if that's where you want to be, um, and see what works, you know, and what might work for you. Um, what kind of videos and photos get traction on social media. Um, because increasingly, um, newspapers, for example, nowadays have very few phot staff photographers to come out and take a picture themselves. You need to send it. You need to get the assets together um, to do that. They don't have time to do that for you anymore. So it could really be a case of making it as easy as possible for the, the media that you're going to talk to. Exactly. Yes. Getting all the information in one place and giving it to them. We've seen, um, I'm sure everybody is there um, mindlessly scrolling through social media um, and through browsing online, um, notices the rise in number of sites which have listicles on them, you know, um, top 10 um, hotels with a view, um, great places, great recipes store cupboard recipes for example um all of those things lists really work um and so if you've got um content that, that works for that think about how it will slot in um you might have a really great story but if the media outlet of your dreams doesn't have an appropriate slot for it they're not going to use it um so you might be running a really fantastic event on your farm, but if the magazine, for example, of your choice or TV show of your choice doesn't really feature events, you've got to think of another way in. Um, so you need to you need to tell it in the right way, um, in a way that suits their format. Every every media outlet, whether it's a TV show or a newspaper or a website or even arguably a social media feed is a little product all of its own and they are thinking the people the people writing that are thinking um does this product event story fit with what our customers our readers or viewers want to see and they know that they know the answer to that better than you do so um so the more you get to know uh, an, uh, a media outlet um the greater your understanding will be um you know, there are some, you know, there's lots of really good examples of, of people doing really fun, quirky things. But whether you're able to sort of, whether it tells the story in the way you want it to um, is something that, you know, you have to, you have to, have to judge. Um, there's lots of ridiculous um, PR stunts that um, some have worked really well, some have cost an absolute arm and a leg, and some, some have been a complete disaster. Um, lots of really good, um, really good um examples of that um you know but whether it sort of works works for you you have you have to be the one to judge that um i always think um john sinclair at um at craigie's in west lothian um does pr well i, th I think he's got a real 
nose for it. Um, and I don't know if you remember um, around the time that the fourth um, bridge was closed um, between um, the Lothians and, and Fife. Um, if you live in Fife, like me, you won't forget it. And um, John being very close to, to Fife and um, the Firth of Forth, um, it was around about Christmas time, I think, um, and he got the local rowing club to to row um, Christmas people's sort of Christmas orders over um, over to Fife for them, which was a really great seasonal and entertaining story. But at the end of the day, it showed you know what a great business getting their local product out to local people um doing whatever they could to make it work for their customers i thought you know that's a really inspired stunt you know really it's a pr stunt i think i think that was really inspired um and sometimes these kind of quirky stunts and stories lead on to bigger things um we'd been um chatting to um um an english um company called Kopas Turkeys um, and they obviously farm farm turkeys and they had released um, a couple of really quirky stories one of which was um, the, the firework training that they did to uh, for their turkeys around about um, uh, around about the, the, the 5th of November um, and that went that really was a story that went everywhere and then um, to protect the turkeys from foxes they had um, alpaca alpacas um acting as guard dogs as well and again that was a story that went everywhere just a quite a, a fun story and you kind of think is that going to help turkey sales well arguably it might you know coppas turkeys might be top of mind because of that it's a kind of fun story it's sort of you know maybe makes consumers sort of warmer um to the brand um in general but i noticed um just after that um he was on the um, the Chris Evans breakfast show, um, telling Chris Evans how to um, how to carve a turkey. That's the biggest radio show in in Europe, um, and to be positioned there as the turkey expert um, is is really good PR. And I'm, I'm sure you would have seen a boost in sales from that. So to make yourself available and out there. Um, means you are the go-to person then for that kind of opportunity, which really can um, boost your sales if that's what you're trying to do. Fabulous examples there, Martha. And I'm certainly going to uh, look for some footage of uh, the uh, rowing boat Christmas dinners. <laughs> um, I wanted to just uh, round off um, asking you, is there is there anything else you think that's super pertinent that we should uh, discuss? And also, um, could you tell our audience, um, do you have a website or can you recommend any other links where they could find some good advice on positive PR? Um, I suppose... Um just a couple of other things that might be useful because they're particularly accessible ways um, of creating uh, of creating PR for yourself, I suppose, um, or creating coverage. Um, a lot of people listening will be aware of the plethora of awards out there, um, you know, from really strong awards like BBC Food and Farming Awards, um, which you can nominate yourself for. Um, to things like the Scottish Rural Awards, which is um, awards run by Scottish Field Magazine, um, Farm Shop and Deli Awards. Um, I think there's British Farming Awards and, and things as well. And I'm sure there's some link to publications like Farmers Weekly and things like that. Um, 
these can be quite useful um, ways of of um, of getting attention and getting coverage but not all of them are. Um, awards can take quite a long time to apply for. Sometimes there can be a fee attached to them, um, but they can be really strong. Um, so, so that might be quite a useful thing for your listeners to consider um, as, as an option if you've really excelled in um, with a, a good sort of diversification story. Um, you know, probably the Scottish Rural Awards might want to, to be interested in that. And even being shortlisted um, may well generate coverage on social media um, and perhaps with your local media, with trade media. Um, so if you are entering an award, um, think about what kind of traction it, those awards get. Um, are they going to give you coverage? Um, are, can you get coverage from it? Can you approach the media afterwards? Um, are they really strong on social media? Um, that that might be kind of an accessible way in. And I've seen lots of farmers um, um, benefit from that. You know, even the um, Scotland Food and Drink Excellence Awards, for example, um, lots of farmers have been in, involved in those over the years. So that's certainly um, something to consider. Um, in terms of um, more general PR tips, there's quite a lot of information out there. There's lots of um, PR blogs and things like that. And, and you may well want to while away um, an hour or so looking up um, best ever PR stunts and worst ever PR stunts, because some of them are pretty entertaining. Um, um, have a look on, on, on um, our website as well. Um, if you like and get an idea of the kind of things that we do for clients, um, our website is soundbitepr.co.uk. That's brilliant. Martha, thank you so much for your time and all of your insight today. That has been absolutely wonderful. That's such a pleasure. And listeners, please join us in our next podcast, also titled Positive PR, where we're going to be talking to Jane Craigie Marketing. <laughs>